Well, in the uh, early 1900s, a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller was the richest man in the United States. Uh, he owned the, the vast majority of all the oil and natural gas industry in the United States at the time, so he was a man of, a, of enormous wealth, probably wealth that was comparable to some of the wealthiest sheikhs here in the, the Middle East. Uh, one uh, well-known story about John Rockefeller, one well-known story that's often told about his life is a reporter, a newspaper reporter, that once came to him and, and asked him, well, how much money is enough? He, he saw John Rockefeller, the, the richest man in the United States, who seemed to have an endless amount of wealth, and he said, how much money is enough? When will you have enough? Well, Rockefeller's famous response was, just a little bit more. The, the richest man in the United States, and his response was, just a little bit more. That's what will be enough. If we were to ask that reporter's question in a, a different way, we might ask, we might say, Mr. Rockefeller, well, how much money do you need to be content? And how much do you need to be satisfied? Well, his answer, just a little bit more. He might be a little shocked or, or amazed at Rockefeller's response. I mean, how could he say that? I mean, how could this man that has so much possibly say that? How could he think he needed more? And, but friends, let me just ask you that question. What is it that you think that you need to be content? What would make you content? Let's stop to think about it for a second. Friends, if you're honest with yourself, might your answer be just a little bit more? If I had a better job, if I had more money, if I lived somewhere else, if I had different friends, if I was more talented, if I just got my way more often, if I just had a, a little bit more of that which I want, oh, then I could be happy. Then I would be content. Then I would be satisfied. Now friends, we're going to be studying the theme of contentment from the book of Proverbs today. And what I want you to see today is that a contentment is not fundamentally about what you have or what you do not have. If it was, Mr. Rockefeller would have said, I have more than I will ever need. I have more than I would need for a hundred lifetimes. Now friends, contentment is not about what you have or do not have. Contentment is not fundamentally about the circumstances or the situation of your life. No, what Proverbs teaches and what the Bible teaches is that contentment is a matter of the heart. Therefore, it is the, the fear of the Lord that brings contentment. Now, I know that might not be what you instinctively think that you need to be happy and content. But the, the good news of the truth that contentment is a matter of the heart and not about what you might have or, or might not have is that contentment can be yours. No matter your possessions, no matter your circumstances, contentment can be yours. So the, the main idea I want us to examine this morning from the book of Proverbs is that the wise, the, the wise man, the wise person, realizes that contentment does not come from the things of this earth. So they find their satisfaction in the Lord and they delight in his good gifts. The wise realize that contentment does not come from the things of this earth, so they find their satisfaction in the Lord, and they delight in his good gifts. So uh, simply two questions that I want to explore in today's sermon. Uh, the first is, where do you look for contentment? Where do you look for contentment? And where can you find contentment? 
So first, where do we so often look for contentment? Now, before we really think too much about that question, I think it would be helpful to define contentment. Uh, now, several hundred years ago, uh, a man by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs wrote a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. It's probably the, the best-known book still, the best-known Christian book about this subject. It's Delane's favorite book. If you ever have questions about it, she'll be happy to talk your ear off about it. Uh, but The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, I'm going to quote from it several times in this sermon. But this is how Jeremiah Burroughs defines contentment. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal, or you might say in God's wise and fatherly will in every condition or every circumstance. So friends, what can we learn from that definition of contentment? First, we see that contentment is a matter of the heart. Jeremiah Burroughs calls an inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit. Contentment comes from the, the inside. It does not come from what is outside of us. And second, we see that contentment is possible in every condition. Contentment is that which submits to and delights, delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. In other words, it's possible to be content in, in any circumstance. It, it joyfully accepts whatever God chooses to give. Friends, contentment is not a, a good that can be purchased. Uh, you cannot buy it. Yet the, the truth is, we so often look for contentment, and we look for satisfaction in material possessions. It may be the, the first place that we are so often tempted to look. Like Rockefeller, we think, ah, oh, if I just had a little more. That's the problem. I would be content if I just had a little more. With that in mind, let's turn to the book of Proverbs and see what Proverbs has to say about contentment. So Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 through 17. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened ox with hatred. In other words, there is far more reward in righteousness and fear of the Lord than there is in possessions. The fear of the Lord, to, to know the Lord, to be at peace with the Lord is far more satisfying than anything that you can acquire in this life. The Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8, so just flip over one chapter. Better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Uh, what the, the writer is pointing out here is that a pursuit of possessions, or even a, just a desire to get one's way, often tempts people to injustice, to treat others unfairly to get what they want, to sin to get what they want. Proverbs 28, 25. A greedy person stirs up conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. A greedy person stirs up conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. 
Friends, the, the truth is our greed, our sin of greed, it leads to conflict with others. Uh, possession, possessions get placed over people. And this is what happens every time a two-year-old, two, two-year-olds, two toddlers fight with one another over a toy. Uh, they are putting that possession, what they desire, over that other child. They don't care how they treat the other child as long as they get what they want. Friends, the, the author of Proverbs says, what is better than possessions? It's, it's righteousness. It's trusting in the Lord. Those things, not possessions, are the path to true contentment and peace. And friends, this is why God warns against coveting in the Ten Commandments. Uh, so famously, God says this. God gave this as one of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. My friends, coveting what others have, looking and seeing what someone else has, and coveting that is the opposite of contentment. It's not to be satisfied with the good gifts that God has given to you. I mean, when you covet, you certainly don't have that, that inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, as Jeremiah Burroughs puts it. No, instead, you, you burn with envy. You are not gracious towards others. No matter how they treat you, you suddenly grow hard-hearted towards them. You want what is theirs. Your mind is, is constantly consumed by what others have and then by what you, in contrast, do not have. Your life is marked by complaining about what you lack. Well, friends, God commanded Israel not to covet in part because coveting would destroy their relationships with one another. It would certainly destroy their relationship with the Lord as, as well as they would grow hard-hearted for what the Lord had not provided. But friends, envy won't just destroy your relationships. It will destroy you. Envy, dissatisfaction, discontentment, they eat away at your soul. Friends, if you've ever struggled with, with envy or, or jealousy or coveting, you know that these things are true. It makes you miserable. And so, brothers and sisters, just take a moment to ask yourself how you're tempted to seek your satisfaction and contentment in material possessions. Friends, we are, we are sinners. This is a temptation for each and every one of us. We may not be tempted to covet and want and desire or seek our satisfaction in the same things, Friends, this is just part of our sinful natures. And maybe you think everything would be okay and that you would be content if only you had a better job with, with more pay. Friends, when you're, when you're feeling down, when you're emotionally down, do you think buying something or spending money on something is what is going to make you feel better? Whether it's a new dress, a new handbag, food, Friends, when you're feeling emotionally down, what is it that you most often tell yourself you need in order to feel better? When you feel emotionally down, what do you so often tell yourself you need in order to feel better? Friends, it is that thing that you tell yourself you need that you are looking for to provide satisfaction and contentment. Now, we're, we're all tempted to look towards material possessions for our, contempt, for our contentment. We're all tempted to think, ah, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and I would be fine. But friends, material possessions, the things of this earth, they cannot satisfy. If that is what you're looking for, 
you're looking in the wrong place. Now, worldwide, the, the 10 countries with the highest rates of reported depression among their residents or citizens, well, they include nations like the United States, Australia, Portugal, Finland. Now, friends, if money could buy happiness and contentment, why do some of the wealthiest nations of the earth have the highest rates of reported depression? Friends, research has found that those who win large sums of money in the lottery or the sweepstakes or the jackpot or whatever they call it here in the UAE or your home country, well, they do not seem to be any more happy or content on a day-to-day -day basis than they were before they won. Perhaps we should not be surprised about this because Proverbs and the Bible as a whole make it abundantly clear that material possessions, money, resources, whatever it is, do not provide lasting contentment. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and people's eyes are never satisfied. Friends, to say that Sheol is never satisfied is a way of saying that death is never satisfied. Death comes for all. It never has enough. Death never stops. Unless Jesus comes again, we are all going to die. Death is never satisfied. Well, what the, the author is doing is comparing that truth to the fact that so it is with your desires or your eyes. What your eyes see and desire, the author writes. Just like that, people's eyes or desires are never satisfied. Friends, the, the worldly desires of your heart will never be satisfied, whether it's a desire for possessions or pleasure or something else. But once you get what you think it is that you want or what you think that you need, what you think is going to satisfy you, well, a, a few moments later, a few days later, a few weeks later, you're simply going to want more. When you get that better job, well, give it some time, and then you'll want that next job. When you get that higher salary, well, if that's what you're looking for for satisfaction, then you'll just want an even higher one. When you get the approval from others that you crave and think you need for contentment, friends, it won't be enough. You'll simply crave more, more praise, more approval from others. Kids, if you get that toy you want, you will be satisfied until you see the next toy on the shelf. Friends, the things of this earth will never satisfy. People's eyes, their earthly desires are never satisfied. Well, one pastor had this to say about that verse. This dissatisfaction of our eyes has been a problem of the human heart since the fall. In Genesis 3, Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saw that it was a delight to the eyes. She had the whole world at her disposal except for one thing. And her eyes were not satisfied. Once her eyes delighted in it, she had to have it. So she disregarded the command of God and took up its fruit and ate. Since then, we are all just like Eve. I should say we are all just like Adam and Eve who did the same thing. We want what we don't have. And once we delight in something that we don't have, we will do whatever we have to do in order to get it. And sadly, once we get it, we still are not satisfied. So we go looking for more. Now, brothers and sisters, this applies just as much to the circumstances of your life and the situation of, it, of your life than it does for the possessions that you may or may not have. 
It's not always possessions that we envy or covet. It's not always possessions that we desire. Sometimes it's just somebody else's life. That is what your eyes desire. Your eyes desire a change in circumstances, a change in your situation. If only I got my way, then I would be content. If only I could move back home, then I would be content. If only I could move to the UK or Australia or the United States, then I would be content. If only I had a different job, then I would be content. If only I could get married, then I would be content. If only I had a different spouse, then I would be content. If only God would heal me or my loved ones, then I would be content. If only others would treat me differently, then I would be content. If only I had different parents or my parents weren't always telling me what to do, then I could be content. Friends, just like money, if your ultimate source of satisfaction and your hope for contentment is in a change of circumstances, you are looking in the wrong place. Friends, no matter how good your life is, no matter how good your life becomes by earthly standards, there will always be something wrong. There will always be somebody who has it better than you. There will always be something to be discontent about. And if you seek your satisfaction in just a change in your circumstances, you will find that thing to be discontent about. Your eyes will never be satisfied. You will constantly complain about your lot in life. And friends, that is because contentment is not a matter of your possessions. It's not a matter of your circumstances. Contentment is a matter of the heart. To go back to Jeremiah Burroughs, he says this, A Christian comes to contentment not so much by way of addition as by way of subtraction, not by adding more to his condition or to getting more, but rather by subtracting from his desires so as to make his desires and his circumstances even and equal. Uh, In other words, what Jeremiah Burroughs is writing there is that one secret to contentment is to resolve to decide to simply be satisfied with whatever possessions and circumstances God has chosen to provide. Don't seek more. Change your desires to match your circumstances and your situation. It's not your possessions or circumstances that need to change. It is your desires. It is your expectations. Friends, we, we all have desires. Sin means that sometimes we desire that which is wrong. We desire those things that are sinful. That's not the only way that sin works. Sometimes we simply just desire good things too much. It's not like it's bad to desire a different job. It's not necessarily bad to desire to live in a different place. It's not even necessarily bad to desire something that you may not have, to say, ah, that would be nice. But friends, sin means that we're tempted to idolize those things. We're tempted to say, I must have this. And if I don't get it, I'm going to be discontent. If I don't have it, I'm willing to sin to get it. Sin means that we don't just desire bad things. Sin means that we can desire good things far too much, that we place those things above the Lord. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich, because you know better. Stop! As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. 
Friends, one of the reasons that you'll never be satisfied with material things or never be contented with material things is that they can always be, they can always disappear. They do not last. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Friends, homes and cars can be easily destroyed, as we found out in the recent flood. Money can be stolen or needed for unexpected expenses. Material possessions are not secure. And friends, even a change in your circumstances is not secure. Things can always change. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. One will sleep at night without danger. My friends, if circumstances, not God, is your source of satisfaction, you will constantly be anxious that something bad might happen to you. Friends, if money, not God, is your source of satisfaction, you will not sleep at night without danger. There's a constant fear that you will lose what you have. But friends, if, the, the fear, but if you fear the Lord, you can sleep secure knowing that your life is held in his hands. And he will never leave you or forsake you. If your satisfaction is in him, you'll know that you cannot lose your source of assurance and your source of rest, your source of contentment. Brothers and sisters, this is why Jesus said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Put it in the words of Proverbs, it is the fool who stores up treasures and sets his his heart on treasures that do not last. The, the treasures of this earth. And friends, the truth is, even if you hang on to a great deal of money and possessions in this earth, which many people do, you cannot take them with you in the life to come. They do you no good in eternity. They're not a source of ultimate security or satisfaction. The fear of death still looms for anybody who has great resources. So Jesus' exhortation is to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven instead. Fear the Lord. Notice he says that it's where your treasure is. It's there your heart will be also. Friends, what you value reveals your heart. What you value reveals where you're looking toward for your contentment and your satisfaction. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Friends, you brought nothing into this world. Everything that you have, everything that you ever have, and everything that you will ever have is a gift. The Apostle Paul is writing that you can be content with the simple necessities of life, food and clothing. Do not seek your satisfaction in material things. Do not seek riches. They cannot and will not satisfy Instead, the love of money will plunge you into destruction. To go back again to Jeremiah Burroughs, 
The reason why you do not have contentment in the things of the world is not that you do not have enough of them. The reason is that, you are, is that they are not things proportional to that immortal soul of yours that is capable of God himself. Friends, in other words, God did not create you to find satisfaction in the things of this world. The reason that you cannot find satisfaction in the things of this world is because you were not designed to find satisfaction in the things of this world. God created you to find satisfaction in something so much greater. Friends, he's created you to find satisfaction and joy and peace and rest in him, in a relationship with him, in knowing him, in knowing his love and his goodness and his mercy to you. Friends, to look for material possessions or a a change in your circumstances or even affections of a certain person for contentment is to be primarily concerned with yourself. What do I have? What do I want? If only I had something different. Friends, the sins of envy and covetousness and discontentment are all self-focused sins. They are sins that you are concerned only about yourself. That's pretty much true of almost every sin. But it's all about what you do have or you do not have. Again, to go back to Jeremiah Burroughs, if I become content by having my desire satisfied, that is only self-love. But when I am contented with the hand of God and am willing to be at his disposal, that comes from my love to God. Friends, if you want contentment, fix your eys on Christ. That's where we're going to turn in the, the second question of the sermon. Where do we often look for contentment? A change in our circumstances, more possessions. We often say just a little bit more. But where do we find contentment? Brothers and sisters, I hope the answer to that question is already obvious. True contentment is found only in the Lord. True contentment only comes through a a fear of the Lord. True contentment only comes by finding your satisfaction in him. Now, there's many ways in which the book of Proverbs challenges our sinful and fallen ways of thinking. Uh, Because of our sinful and fallen ways of of thinking, Proverbs seems to present us with paradoxes. So if you remember back to the sermon on pride, it's the proud who pursue their own glory. They seek to exalt themselves. Now, what does Proverbs say? And what does Jesus say? Well, it's the humble who will be exalted. It is only those who do not seek to be honored. It's only those who do not seek their own glory who will one day receive glory and who will one day receive honor who will be honored by God. Proverbs also presents a paradox when it comes to contentment. Friends, contentment does not come by receiving what you desire to have, assuming that your desire is not only for the Lord. Contentment does not come by receiving what you desire to have. It does not come by achieving what you desire to achieve. It does not come by, by your circumstances working out just the way you hoped. Actually, psychologists... Even secular psychologists, non-Christians, have have found this to be true. Uh, They have something in psychology called the arrival fallacy, which is a a term used to describe the the false belief that once we make it, once we attain our, our goals or reach our destination, then we will reach lasting happiness. Uh, this is something that in this life that I want to achieve. There's some goal that I want to achieve, some destination that I want to reach, something that I want to get. The arrival fallacy says, believes that we will reach happiness once we achieve it. 
And yet psychologists have found when people get there, they find no satisfaction and they find no contentment. It's called the arrival fallacy. Brothers and sisters, contentment does not come by getting what you think you need. Contentment comes through a change of desire. Contentment comes through a change of heart. Contentment only comes when you love the Lord more than you love yourself. When your desire is more for God's glory than for anything that this earth has to offer. Friends, you do not need a change of circumstances. You do not need a change of possessions. You need a change of heart. You need a change of affections. You need a change of desire. Listen to this prayer from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. The author writes this, Two things I ask of you. He's, He's offering a prayer to God. Two things I ask of you. Do not deny them before me, to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Now, friends, what is the writer asking for in that prayer? What is his number one desire? Well, it seems to be to please the Lord. He asked the Lord for neither poverty nor wealth. But why? Because he's afraid that either might tempt him to sin against the Lord. His desire is to please the Lord. I'll go back to that quote that I just gave from Jeremiah Burroughs. If I become content by having my desire satisfied, that is only self-love. But when I am contented with the hand of God and am willing to be at his disposal, that comes from my love to God. Brothers and sisters, contentment comes from a fear of the Lord. Contentment comes by recognizing that it is God who is in control of all the circumstances of your life. He is in control of all the events of this world. Every circumstance, every possession that you have comes from his hand. Nothing is outside of his control. And friends, simultaneously also understanding and truly believing and trusting in the fact that God is good. If you are a Christian, God is for your good. He desires your good. Your God is good and he is in control. And there are no greater comfort than that. God is in control. Nothing can happen outside of his sovereign will and his purposes. And he desires your good. He only gives good gifts to his children. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. And friends, if if the Lord has not given you the things you want or the things that you think you need, perhaps it's him trying to teach you to be satisfied in him alone. To come and truly believe and have faith and trust in the fact that he is in control over all things and that he is good. Friends, at its heart, contentment is to believe that God is in control and God is good. Contentment is to be satisfied, completely satisfied with what God has given because you are completely satisfied with him. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Finally, to go to another author, Eric Raymond in his book Chasing Contentment puts it this way. He says, if you are having a hard time being content... Make a list of everything you have that you do not deserve. Make a list of everything you have that you do not deserve. Friends, I'll just give you a hint. That's a lot. 
and then make a list of everything you deserve that you do not have. So I'll give you a hint. That is nothing. When you and I realize how kind and gracious God has been with us, we're able to see things in a proper perspective. Now, at its core, discontentment is to say, God, you have not done enough for me. When we are discontent. That is what we are saying in our heart. God, you have not done enough for me. God, you have not given me enough. Discontentment is a lack of love and satisfaction with God. It is to doubt his goodness. It is to doubt his wisdom. It is to doubt his provision. It is to doubt him. That's why complaining is the constant companion of those who are discontent. Proverbs 22, verse 28. Do not move an ancient boundary marker that your ancestors, that your ancestors set up. The boundary markers that the author is referring to marked out the land that God had himself given to the people of Israel as an inheritance, that he had marked out their boundaries, he had marked out their possessions. Each family had a share of that land marked out. Moving or removing a boundary marker was an attempt to take another's land or to take their inheritance from the Lord. It was to be unsatisfied, dissatisfied with the inheritance one had received from the Lord. It was to want more than what God had graciously chosen to give. Brothers and sisters, contentment is to be satisfied with what your good and gracious God has given. And God's gift, God's grace, the riches of his grace and his mercy are not measured in earthly gifts. Now, it's true that God's kindness, that his provision is seen in the fact that you do have what you need on this earth. But Christian, the true measure of God's grace is that he has given of himself. That God has given of himself to you. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself, God himself, has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Author Hebrews writes that you can be free from the love of money. Like we say that you can be free from discontentment. And that you can be satisfied with God because if you are a Christian, God has promised himself to you. He has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. He has promised to be with you. And friends, this is the, the number one promise of the Bible. The number one command of the Bible is do not fear. And it is so often accompanied with the corresponding promise that God will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that what we saw in, in Exodus? What was God doing through all those plagues? What was he telling Israel? I am your God. I will not leave you or forsake you. It's what he did when he defeated the, Israel, the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. Brothers and sisters, it's the story of the Bible and it's the story of the gospel. The story of God's plan of redemption is the story of God being with his people. John 1.14, the word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Friends, Jesus came to earth. God himself, God the Son, came to earth to live among his people, to dwell with them, to be near to them. He lived a perfect life, always content and satisfied with the Father's provision during his time on earth, fully satisfied in his relationship with his Father. But Jesus would go out for hours praying, even when he was tired. And even as he was about to head to the cross, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Friends, Jesus took your place on the cross to pay the penalty you deserve for your sin, for all your complaining, for all your envy, for all your coveting, for all your discontentment. 
And he was raised three days later, showing that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. But friends, not only that, before he ascended back into heaven, Jesus promised that he would send his spirit to his disciples. He promised that he would be with them to the end of the age. He promised that he would always be with them, that he would never abandon them. And friends, that promise is his promise to us as well. Friends, when you work to list all of those things that you have that you do not deserve, the very top of that list is salvation. It is eternal life. It is the presence of God. It is the presence of the Spirit. It is ongoing work in your life. It is the forgiveness of your sins that you do not deserve. It is God's favor. It is God's adoption. It is his love. It is his mercy. It is his kindness. Friends, when you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the gift of the Spirit at that very moment. And friends, it is the Holy Spirit that gives you a new heart. It is the Holy Spirit who can change your desires. It gives you a desire and a, a love for the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it's the work of the Holy Spirit within you that helps produce contentment. To find contentment, you must abide in Christ. Seek Him in His Word. Cry out to Him in prayer. Remember His abundant mercy to you in your salvation. Friends, you're not going to find contentment in your own strength. It's not something that you can work up in your own effort. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul from Philippians 4. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Friends, this is the same Paul who wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Five times I received the forty lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. My friends, this is the same Paul who writes, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. Friends, why? How? Because he knew I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Friends, that is not a promise that you will be able to achieve anything that you want in this life. That is not the promise of Philippians 4.13. No, it is, the promise that if you, it is not the promise that if you work hard enough that you will receive the desires of your heart. No, it is a promise that Jesus by his spirit can and will strengthen you in all circumstances to be content. To be satisfied in him. To endure with joy. If you will trust in him, rely on him, and abide in him. And so a few verses later, Paul writes this to the Philippians. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, God will provide what you need. And in fact, he has already done so. Peter writes that he has given you all things that you need for life and godliness. All you need to be content. And that is because he has given of himself. He sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins. 
He has given you His Spirit. If you want to be content, take your eyes off yourself and place them on Jesus Christ who died for you. And friends, if you are here and you realize that your life is marked by discontentment, if you realize that your life has been marked, that your entire life up to this point has been marked by chasing the things of this earth, by seeking satisfaction in the things of this earth, Friends, perhaps you should ask if you truly know the Lord. Are you a Christian? Have your heart and your affections been changed by the Spirit of God? Friends, if the answer is is no, or you're just not sure, let me urge you to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Plead with God to send you His Spirit to make you new. Plead that God would work in you by His Spirit, that you would find your rest and your satisfaction in Him. Friends, remember I said a few moments ago that Proverbs presents us with many paradoxes. The the paradox of contentment is twofold. One, we can only find contentment by changing our desires, not by getting that which our sinful flesh desires. But second, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, those who are satisfied in Him, and those who are content in Him, those who have repented and placed their faith in Him, they receive a far greater reward than anything this earth has to offer. They get something greater than those earthly desires. The desires of their heart are filled in a much greater way than those who gain riches or success here on this earth. Friends, they share in the glory of Jesus Christ for eternity. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So if you have been raised with Christ, if you have eternal life in Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Brothers and sisters, if you want to be content, look to Christ. Give God thanks for all the abundant blessings that you have in Christ. Set your hope and your desires on the things that are above, the things of eternity, not the things of this earth. And set your hope on the fact that when Jesus appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Friends, there is no greater reward, there is no greater treasure than that. Friends, the wise person realizes that contentment does not come from the things of this earth. So they find their satisfaction in the Lord, and they delight in his good gifts. Let's pray.